are a Christian, you correctly understand that you've been saved by God's grace, by faith in Jesus Christ as revealed in the scriptures alone. You are justified. Now comes the question, how should I live? Should I separate myself from almost everyone and everything and join a monastery? Or, since I am justified, am I now free to live life as I please? The world and its temptations are always lurking. The business of daily life offers many opportunities to dabble with the world. We'll talk about it today on Craving Answers, Craving God. I'm Chuck Rathert with Aaron Miller. Aaron is the pastor of St. James Lutheran Church in Glen Carbon, Illinois. Aaron, one of our listeners proposed this topic. I'm thinking of a popular movie now. Do I need to take the time to learn whether the movie is consistent with my Christian values? Or, as I think about how should I live, can I just go to the movie? Well, I, it's good to start off by saying this is kind of a niche topic. Usually when we have discussions in here, we're thinking about uh, things that'll be helpful to those people, you know, topics that'll be helpful to those people who are Christian believers, but also that'll be helpful to those who aren't Christian believers, but are kind of thinking from the outside in. And I know that we do have some listeners who are sort of on the edge of Christianity, thinking about whether they should, uh, you know, jump in and swim or, um, uh, you know, stay out. This is definitely, this topic will probably appeal more to uh Christians who are grapple with how do you live in a culture. And so I think it's good for us to uh, acknowledge that right off the bat. I think, you know, your question is, should, should we just go to a movie or should we, uh, you know, should we check it out first and see if it's consistent with our values? Um, I think you should always check it out first. I, over the course of the episode today, I'll talk about why I don't think that we should be staying. I don't think our philosophy should be. I stay away from movies and music and TV shows, but I think you always check everything out. I think everything a human being should do, actually Christian or non-Christian, should be done thoughtfully. T.S. Eliot, the great, um, the great poet and critic uh, from St. Louis, uh, spent most of his life working in England, though, and writing in England. He wrote a, a really fantastic. He started off as an atheist. His early poetry is uh, very bleak. Uh, he he converted to Christianity in his uh, middle age, became a member of the Church of England. He wrote a little book called uh, Christianity and Culture, where he makes the point that the best way that people are educated is through entertainment. And the worst way to be educated is by being thoughtlessly entertained. To, to, to go to a movie or to pick up a novel or to watch a TV show or to listen to a song and not do it thoughtfully is a great way, or depending on your perspective, a horrible way to have your worldview adjusted without you having any sort of control over it because you're just mindlessly being entertained. Um, I'll, well, I'll give you an example real quick, and I'm kind of already uh, uh, tipping my hand here. Uh, I, this show's not for everybody, but my uh, my wife and I just recently started watching Breaking Bad, which is 20 years old now. I think it's 20 years old now. And uh, it, it's a show about a, a high school chemistry teacher who gets cancer uh, the treatment he needs is way more expensive than somebody who's a public high school chemistry teacher can afford. So he starts making meth. And, and you start off really rooting for this guy. He's played by Brian Cranston. And you start off really rooting hard for this guy because he's a good guy, and he loves his wife and his son, and he wants to take care of them. 
and he wants there he wants to be able to afford cancer treatments. He thinks he's going to die though because it's a very serious diagnosis and he wants to have money to provide for his family while he's gone. So you're watching this and at one point one of the characters, you know, he starts making this meth and selling it and making tons of money. And uh one of the characters, uh, one of the uh characters who works for him makes a batch of of crystal meth which turns out to not be uh, very high quality. And he's frustrated, and he takes it outside, and he's just going to throw it out into the desert. They live in New Mexico. And I'm watching this with Angela, my white bread wife, and uh, she yells at the TV, don't waste that, as he's throwing it out. So can you hear yourself? Uh, when you're, when you're, you know, you watch a, a show like Breaking Bad, and the first thing you know, you're rooting for the people who are selling meth. You watch a movie, like one of my favorite movies of all time is The Godfather. Every time I watch The Godfather, I'm struck by how hard I'm rooting for this organized crime boss, and I'm rooting against the local police, which is not the way I normally live my life. But when I'm entertained, it happens. When I'm entertained, it happens. So when I watch The Godfather or when I watch Breaking Bad, and and, uh, obviously I I watch those, so I, I fall down on the... The, you know, I fall down on the position that they're okay to watch, but you have to do it thoughtfully. You have to be on your guard and you have to be thinking to yourself, what is it that I can pick up here that is for my values against my values? How does this story, as a Christian, I'm always asking, how does this story fit in with the biblical story? Every movie and TV show and novel fits, they tell a story and that story will either fit in with the biblical story of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, or it will be opposed to it. And to know where those are, so you can kind of have your wits about you and kind of know the lay of the land when, you, when you're watching these things. All right, well, let's talk about the movies. At the end of the 1939 film, that's approaching almost 100 years ago. Now. Yeah, it's crazy. At the end of that 1939 film, Gone with the Wind, the character Rhett Butler says to Scarlett O'Hara, Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Some of our listeners know that this line caused quite a controversy in its day. Film censors objected to the use of the word damn. These days, it's hard to take in a movie that isn't peppered with obscenities or profanity. So I, you may have already addressed this, but if you, if you want to lead a God-pleasing life, maybe I should just stay away from the movies. Well, uh, maybe you should. I, I don't know. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I, I think one thing is, you know, culture changes, and what's what's offensive and vulgar to one culture uh, becomes commonplace to another culture. And I'm not saying that makes it wrong or right. That's it, just the way it is. And so standards adjust. And whereas in, in 1939, it was deeply controversial across the board that a mainstream Hollywood movie would have the word damn in it. Uh, Here in 2023, you just said the word damn in a very, very Christian podcast, and neither of us felt guilty about it. I just said the word uh, damn now three times discussing it, and nobody really has a problem with it. And so one of the things you ask yourself, you know, one of the questions you ask is, why was that so offensive back then? This is one of the things that entertainment can do, is it can show us across a sweep of time how culture values change and shift, sometimes for the good and sometimes for the bad. And again, to have a view of the lay of the land. And so 
uh, you, you know, why was that so offensive back then? Was that some sort of Victorian morality? Was it a sort of sensitivity to, you know, four-letter words that uh, we don't necessarily need to be that insensitive to? Or maybe we're, maybe we need to be more sensitive to. I don't know. I mean, one great example is up until the 1960s, and I'm just thinking of this now as we're talking, I, I forget. There was there was a show in the 1960s that broke all kinds of cultural barriers by portraying the husband and wife protagonists of the shows as sleeping in the same bed. And prior to that, Hollywood movies after the Hays Code uh, was enacted in the 1930s, and TV shows always depicted husbands and wives as sleeping in separate, smaller beds in their bedrooms because people were weirded out by seeing a man and a woman in bed together. Uh was that necessary? Uh, for them, it was. It, it, I, I'm not offended by seeing um, uh, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore in, in the same bed during a show, and I can't remember if that's the show that broke that barrier or not. But well, why is that? Why did they? Why was it important to them that um, a man and a woman not be in the same bed? Why is it not important to us? And and how can we track that? Um, I think that's important, I, and we don't need to talk about cussing today or pe people being depicted laying in the same bed. But I, I, to be thoughtful about that, to not be like, oh, who cares, whatever, but to be thoughtful about that and ask ourselves the question, why is it that the word damn is offensive to some people and not to others? Is there a way to use it? Is it possible to say damn? I don't give a damn. For Is it is it possible for Rhett Butler to say that to Scarlett O'Hara and it not be offensive? Offensive? Is there a way to use the word damn that is offensive? I, I do think it is. If you, in anger, say to a person, you know, God damn you, you that's that's you, you are saying some pretty messy stuff there. Uh, whether you realize it or not, out of anger, calling on God to condemn somebody is not the is not a right that any human being has. So I don't think that you should say it. But if you're quoting, uh, you know, Gone with the Wind and you say, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, uh, that doesn't offend me at all. But that's, see, that's, that's also, uh, you have to be thoughtful and you have to think about it. I, I don't want to just like start saying the word damn without thinking about it or say every time the word damn is used, it's bad without thinking about it. So now I think if the Pharisees, those great um, first century law keepers, if they the Pharisees of Jesus' day had a chance to weigh in on our question today, they would say that we absolutely need to stay away from those movies or television shows. Mark chapter 2, verse 16 says, quoting, And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he, meaning Jesus, was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Well, these days, tax collectors and sinners maybe doesn't mean exactly the same thing as what it meant when Mark wrote this, but the tax collectors were the worst example of collusion with the corrupt Roman government, right. and sinners means prostitutes and uh, people of ill repute. Now, we shouldn't be supporting corrupt government, and we shouldn't be having dinner with prostitutes, should we? Or if Jesus did, maybe we should. Right, yeah. I This comes down to, and, and I apologize, I rambled answering that first question. I'm going to tighten it up a bit here. This comes down to the question, 
which I think is super key to understanding what we think about human nature as individuals and, and, and how God wants us to think about human nature. And the question is that Jesus and the Pharisees are disagreeing about is, is it our sinful environment that messes us up or is it ourselves that are messed up? And the Pharisees fall into the group of, it's your sinful environment. It's the things outside of you. It's the bad people outside of you that will make you bad. I grew up in a church, everybody who knows me knows, uh, I'm deeply devoted to my parents. I think they did a wonderful job. But the church, the, the church that we attended when I was a kid was very much in this camp. You, you, don't, you don't be friends with bad people. Don't be friends with the prostitutes and the tax collectors. You don't go to movies. You don't listen to popular music. All of these things will make you bad. And um, uh, not, not to get uh, too pedantic, but uh, about 1,600, 1,700 years ago, uh, two theologians had a disagreement about this. One was named St. Saint Augustine. The others, uh, other was named uh, Pelagius. And we don't know a lot about Pelagius, just what St. Augustine said about him, which might not be fair because Augustine was trying to discredit him. But Augustine tells us that Pelagius was teaching human beings are born as blank slates. They're born with you know, value-free, just moral uh, uh, non-entities. They don't have any good or bad. Over time, as they come into contact with other bad people, you know, their parents, selfishness or whatever, and, and their friends and people in the culture, they learn to be bad. And Augustine said, no, that's not the case. Actually, we're bad from the inside out. We bring our own badness to the table right off the bat. Um, Jesus agrees with Augustine over against the Pharisees. The Pharisees say, hey, you shouldn't hang out with the bad people. And Jesus says, that's not what makes you bad. And there's a discussion that happens in uh, the Gospel of Matthew. It's very related to the discussion you brought up from uh, Mark, Chuck, where the Pharisees say to Jesus something along the lines of like, your friends eat without washing their hands, without doing the ritual purification process that, that, that the Pharisees did. And Jesus says to them, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. If I eat food with dirty hands, if I'm around sinful people, that doesn't actually defile me. That doesn't make me bad. But what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Well, his disciples are like, what does that mean? And Jesus says, Look, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. The things that are bad about it, Jesus goes on to give a list here, he says, for out of the heart... Out of our personal hearts comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. What, what makes me a bad person is not the movies that I watch or the music that I listen to or the friends that I have. I am already a bad person. It's out of my own heart that my sin comes. So Jesus insists that like the, 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 the attempts to like make your outside pure is like what he calls the Pharisees at one point, whitewashed graves. You can paint the outside of the grave a real pretty white, but inside is a de decomposing body. And that's the position that we're in. Um, now, we're just not really addressing the question. I, I do think that, there, look, I'll say this. There are some movies, there are some TV shows I won't watch. And I have reasons for that, and we can discuss those. But it's not because I think that those things are making me bad. I'm already bad. There's uh, another point along along the lines. Paul brings this up in Colossians chapter two. It's the same thing, and he's talking about this sort of. Uh, it seems like a lot of Christians have this impulse to cut myself off from the world because the world makes me bad, 
And he's, he's talking about, again, he's talking about um, uh, rules about the things that you are allowed to come in contact with and the kind of food you're allowed to eat. You know, you can't eat Gentile food. That would be bad. You have to eat pure Jewish food because that's holy. The Gentiles, they eat the meat offered to idols. You do, that'll mess you up. And Paul says this, if, if, if this is in Colossians 2 verse 20, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, and there's a lot of discussion among the theologians and commentators about what elemental spirits means. Probably the best bet, though, I think, is the deep principles of the world. Um, he goes on to say, and I don't have time to discuss that too much now. Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. Why is it that you still put all these rules on yourself? about what you can and can't do, where you can and can't go, what you can and can't eat. He goes on to say, these rules indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So these rules about like, you can't listen to this kind of music, you can't go to these movies or watch these TV shows, they have the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and asceticism, like being hard to myself, is really spiritual. I'll deny myself these things, and that will make me more spiritual. Because so they actually have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Again, he agrees with Jesus, right? That what's wrong with us is inside of us, not outside of us. And so I can cut myself. I can go out and live in the middle of the Gobi Desert with no human contact, no Netflix, no uh, Spotify streaming music, uh, no bad human beings around me. I can go out there and live in a small hut by myself for the rest of my life, and I will still be sinning. I will still find myself doing bad things and thinking bad things and saying bad things because the problem is inside of me. And so cutting ourselves off, again, cutting ourselves off from a movie doesn't solve the problem. And that Jesus gets right to the heart of that with that discussion he has with the Pharisees that you brought up. You know, uh, I haven't listened to a lot of rap music in in my time. Uh Every once in a while, you'll have a brush encounter with rap music, something that somebody else is listening to. I was attending a high school football game one time, and they were playing uh, music, I guess, that's popular with high schoolers. And pretty soon, I'm listening over the public address system to rap music where they're, it's filthy. And I'm just kind of looking around as if, as does, does anybody, uh, anybody here know what uh, we're listening to? And nobody seemed to be paying any attention. But it had worked its way into the high school football environment. Um, you have had the opportunity to teach at our local Lutheran high school and to speak to students when they assemble for chapel. If you happened upon a student who was listening to this aforementioned uh, vulgar and obscene rap music, what would you say to that student? Well, I, um, yeah, I mean, so, so there's some rap music that is vulgar and obscene. and there's I know some, there's Christian rap music. And there's rap music that's great. I just like there's shows on Netflix that are vulgar and obscene. Yeah. And there's shows on Netflix that are great. I mean, I think one of the things I would say is stop and think about what you're listening to and how does this fit in with the story of the Bible? Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Creation, God made this world. He made it beautiful fall, human beings screwed it up by rebelling against him and introducing death and decomposition and broken relationship and selfishness into the world. Redemption, 
God came up with a plan to fix it back to himself by becoming human, dying for our sins, rising from the dead. Restoration, he someday is he's working towards the goal and someday will complete the process of making all things new when his son Jesus returns and sets up the eternal new creation. Now, what our culture has on offer, whether it's you know pop music or rap music or or, or movies or Netflix shows, what story is what? What do you, the thing you're watching or listening to? What story is it telling? Frequently, and I, I you know, frequently a TV show, a TV show. So let's just use Breaking Bad. And again, this is I should have planned for this. this is a little bit off the cuff. One of the things that troubles me about Breaking Bad is not necessarily the meth, although I don't think that you should take meth. That's a, I know that's a hot take here on a Christian podcast. I think you should avoid <laughs> crystal meth. One of the things that troubles me is that, uh, I mean, there's a few things that trouble me. One thing is that um, here is uh, a high school chemistry teacher who the healthcare system has priced out of getting healthcare that he needs. That deeply troubles me. Along with that, here's a high school chemistry teacher who feels like he has to do something illegal. Okay, that's that's one thing. But deeply harmful to other people. Uh, s- selling a drug that is deeply damaging to people and relationships. Selling a drug that invites a, a gang complicity. It's, it's hard to get into the drug market if you're not connected with the gang. And in New Mexico, this comes up in the show. The gang's coming up out of New Mexico, uh, coming up out of Mexico to control, uh, to, to be a, to get a piece of the drug market. And all the violence that that implies, all the, all the violence that goes along with that. He feels like he has to do it because he has to get this money for his family to be happy and for him to get this treatment. So the system and he are both, they're against each other, but they're both complicit in agreeing the only way, the, the, the deepest, most valuable thing is money. It's money. His life is controlled by it. The healthcare system, which has priced it out, priced him out, is controlled by this. Uh, and anybody who you can listen to, uh, uh, you know, you can read reports about how much medicine, how much it costs to, I mean, how much it costs to do anything, how much it costs to have a baby, how much it costs to uh, go get a an infected splinter dealt with how much it costs to get really high level cancer treatment. It's insane. And so this is a piece of the American story where uh, the fall is, is we need more money and redemption for many Americans is upward social mobility, getting more money and breaking bad fits into this story. Fits in the story, just like uh, just like the Godfather fits into the story, which, which describes salvation in terms of power getting more power over other people, power that will get you money, power that will get you pleasure, power that will get you safety. All of these things, is, these are against the Christian story. So I watch Breaking Bad, but I can't watch Breaking Bad without it constantly reminding myself money is not the answer. I need to fight against a system that says you have to be rich if you're going to get good health care. I have to fight against the impulse in my own heart, which like the main character in Breaking Bad says, I can't be happy. My family can't be happy unless I have more money. And it's, that, it's just to go into these shows, knowing that this is this is against the Christian story, I can watch this, I can be entertained by it, but know that I have with me an alternative story that trumps this story and is actually better than this story and can be used to correct stories like these in the lives of people who are influenced. So uh, if I'm talking to somebody who's listening to music that I, I listen to and I think, oh, that's vulgar, 
it's a great time to have a conversation about which story is this appealing to and which story is the true story. So I began by addressing our podcast listeners who are Christians, Christians who believe that they are justified, saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And then we ask the question, now that the justification question has been answered, then we ask the what we might call the sanctification question, how then should I live? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is apparently responding to questions that have been sent to him about how then should we live? There are a number of them in, in 1 Corinthians. In uh, chapter 8, he responds to the implied question, is it permissible is it right or wrong to eat food that has been offered to idols? And then Paul doesn't say yes, and he doesn't say no. Right. Now, a lot of us who identify as Christians, we say we are Christians, and we ask ourselves, how then should I live? That's a question that a person ought to ask, I think. Right, yep. Um, we ask this question, and we say, okay, what are the rules? What are the boundaries? Tell me what the rules are. Tell me what right, the boundaries yeah, are. Yeah. And I, I will, as God gives me the, the power, try to stay inside those boundaries. Hey, Paul, what do you think? I don't have a yes. I don't have a no. Yeah. Instead, in a, what I think is a lovely description, points to conscience so that it's possible for a person whose conscience is not violated by eating food sacrificed right. to idols to not sin. And it's possible for someone whose conscience is violated right. by doing this to be guilty. Exactly. You know, that's kind of hard to wrap your head around. I mean, that's, I think that's sophisticated stuff. And all I wanted, Paul, or all I want, Aaron, is just tell me, tell me yes or no. Can right, I do yeah. it or not? Can yeah. I watch Breaking Bad or not? Can I watch The Godfather or not? Can I listen to rap music or not? Just give me a yes or no. And so far, we haven't done that. Right. And I don't think we're going to. No, that we're not makes going this to. very difficult. Well, it's it, you know, it, you know, what would be difficult is for me to give a kind of stock Pharisaical fundamentalist answer which will apply to a very tiny bit of our, I, I, I could give you my standards. I could do that. I could say, okay, Breaking Bad's not bad. I can watch Breaking Bad. I'm aware of the false story that it's telling, uh, you know, about what's necessary for happiness and salvation. I'm aware of that. It doesn't, I, I can fight against, I, I can see that. I can fight against the urge to cave into the belief that money can make me happy. I can watch The Godfather and I can say, those guys in there, like Don Corleone, he thinks that power is going to satisfy him, and it never does. And in the, you know, at the end of, uh, I haven't seen the end of Breaking Bad, so I don't know what's going on there. But at the end of uh, the third Godfather movie, it's clear that the that his quest for power has destroyed his life. I think that's great. That's a great way to tell that story. I'll tell you what I I personally can't do is I cannot watch a movie or a show that has that has very, very descriptive sex scenes in it. I can't do, I can't do it because I, Aaron Miller, I am much more, I am much more susceptible to sexual temptation, to the belief that sexual freedom will make me happy than I am to this temptation that money or power can make me happy. Or meth. Or meth, right? <laughs> so I, so if there's, if there's a movie or a show that has, and sometimes Angela and I will watch a show and, um, There'll be something in there, and 
she won't blink because it, it's not her thing. And I'll have to turn away because I, I don't want to deal with it. And for me personally, that's my that's an idol. That's a it's an idol that needs to be challenged. It's an idol that's much easily manipulated and utilized against me by my own flesh to try and control me and drag me away from God. So what I'm not going to do is I'm gonna I'm not going to tell people if people say to me, uh, "Can I watch this show on Netflix?" and I say, "Well, what's it rated?" and they say it's rated MA, and I say, "Well, why? Is it for sex?" If it's for sex, no, you can't watch it. Is it for violence? Well, then go ahead. That would be unfair. It's for, for somebody exactly like me, that pro- might be good wisdom. For me, that's good wisdom. For them, though, it might not be. And so Paul knows that. And so the principle that he goes back to is this conscience informed by faith and love. When he deals with this question in Romans, it's the same way. F- will this mess up your relationship with God? Can eating meat mess up your relationship with God? Well, like you said, it depends. For some people, no, they can eat meat and then be like, thank you, God, for that, you know, in all things, whether you eat or drink, give to the, give glory to, the, to God, Paul says in 1 Corinthians. And some people can do that. And some people can't. Some people are like, I just sinned against God. I ate this meat and it was offered to idols. I realize that nobody in our culture has this problem anymore. And I just can't do it. Okay, so you shouldn't eat, right? And Paul, he, he says, if, it's, if it messes with your faith, if you do it and it's not loving, to your brothers and sisters in Christ. It would also be wrong. Maybe, look, maybe it does not affect me to watch Breaking Bad, but I have friends who have sold drugs before, and maybe they can step, I don't know, maybe they can step back now and watch this and be like, oh, that was, I remember that life, it was horrible. But maybe a little bit of them is like, I miss that that energy and that excitement and the danger of it, and I miss the good money just for knowing a little bit of chemistry and maybe it would tempt them. And I, for me to say to them, yeah, watch breaking bad. It's not a big deal. It doesn't bug me. That would be, that would be, that would not be good. It would not be wise. And so to be wise about this and to use faith towards God and love towards each other, towards yourself, towards your family, towards your community as tools to decide, is this something I should listen to or watch and knowing who you are, you also have to be wise and know who you are and know what your weak points are. And don't don't tempt those weak points. Don't be like, well, I can handle a little bit of this. You know, it'd be like it for, for me, uh, for me, having a couple of beers with dinner does not bug me at all. But I have friends that if I said to them, would you like a beer? Uh, my face would be the face of Satan. <laughs> I would be offering them. I'd be like, hey, you want to test yourself? You know, once you get a couple beers, you know, you can't stop, but it's okay. It doesn't bother me. Do you want to, that would be incredibly unloving of me. And so to understand that, like Jesus says, like Paul says, the evil in the world comes from inside of us, but there are objects, there are actions, there are, there's music and TV shows and movies that sometimes can gang up against us with our own flesh and to not let them have the opportunity to gang up against us. That's just good wisdom. But you get, like you say, like it's, it's, it's complex. It's difficult. You have to know yourself and you have to, um, you kind of have to know your own heart and you have to know who's fighting against you and know how to stay away from them. You know, I think our podcast listener might be frustrated with us today because they hear the introduction of the topic and they go, that's, that sounds interesting. I think I want to listen to this. And so they listen to the conversation. Oh yeah. They know what it's like to worry about 
when they go to the movies, they go to the show, everybody, all their friends just say it's a great movie, but I don't know exactly what's going to happen. They think about it. They worry about it. And they think maybe that we're going to give them the magic bullet. Here's how you stay in bounds. Here's how you don't risk uh, doing something that is not God-pleasing. And we haven't given that. Now here we sit talking about conscience. One man's conscience is one thing. One Another man's conscience is another thing. Right, yep. Depending on the... <laughs> that doesn't provide any answers, I don't think. Especially for the person who's tuned in, uh, uh, listening, just... Just give me the yes or no on this question. And now we've dumped it back in their lap saying, well, it all depends on your conscience and what your conscience is telling you. How do I know that I can trust my conscience? Because I do have a sinful human nature, and it talks it talks to me as well. Right. Uh, how do I know that if I internalize this and run it through my conscience that I'll come up with the right answer? Yeah, I, I do think, it's, it's, to go back to the our previous uh, discussion a minute ago. I to to say conscience, just to say your conscience. Let your conscience be your guide. Jiminy Cricket says. Well, that's dangerous because uh, Jiminy, Cri- Jiminy Cricket said that. Yeah, oh, uh, good for him. It's a <laughs> rare Pinocchio reference on the show. Yeah, uh, th- that's dangerous because the human heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Uh, Jeremiah says, "I think that you 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 can't just say let your conscience be your guide." I think you have to say conscience, but informed by faith and love. Those are the standards. Will doing this cause me to love God more, to realize God's love for me more, to trust in God more? Will doing this increase or inhibit my love for my spouse, my kids, my parents, my friends? That has to be the guide. You can't just be like, well, what do I think is right or wrong? The, 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 Cold stone outside standard is Jesus. That's the that's the settled thing. Will will watching this show draw me closer to Jesus or push me away from him? That but what is unsettled is different people respond in different ways to that. So Jesus is the settled thing. My own personality is the thing that's in flux. So I'm not going to put the rules that I've that I out of the wisdom God has given me have placed on myself. I'm not going to put that on other people. But I am going to encourage them to use the same principles, faith and love. Can you do this in faith and love? If so, go ahead. If you can't, then don't. But that's different for every every person. And so what we're, I, what, what we're not doing is we're not saying it doesn't matter, do whatever you want. And what we're not doing is saying we've got no answers for you. What we are doing, I think, is saying we don't have a one-size-fits-all answer for you. There, there's See, this is, the, this is the human impulse is um, – is to think law can get me out of this. If I just have the rules and know what to do. And God says, no, 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 relationship is what I want. I want you to know me. It's not about the rules. It's about relationship. Me being connected to my wife, Angela, me being connected to my parents or my friends is not about a set of rules that I follow, but living in the ebb and flow of day-to-day relationship with them. That's what it's going to have to come down to. I, so a lot of people like give me the rules and what they actually mean is, I don't really know if I if I want to know God well enough to know how this affects my relationship with him. Well, you're going to have to because the rules aren't going to do it. You're really going to have to decide, 
I've got to know Jesus better. I've got to know my friends and my family better. I've got to know myself better. And then I have to make decisions based upon faith and love about what's best for me and them and what's best for my relationship with God. So to wrap things up uh, in talking about conscience, let's say that I go to see a movie similar to The Godfather and everybody's raving about it. Just about everybody in hindsight thinks that it's a great movie. And in this movie, I see a very interesting plot. There's violence. There is implied sexual immorality. There is murder. Uh, it's full of Sounds things. like the Bible. <laughs> well, there you go. You may have just robbed me of my point here. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. But my question is, I watched the movie, and I come out of the movie knowing that violence, uh, mob action, murder, sexual immorality is all still wrong. It hasn't somehow convinced me that, yeah, I think I'll try this murder business. So I, I come out intact. Now my Christian friend comes to me and says, hey, did you see The, the Godfather? And I go, yeah, it's a great movie. How much responsibility to, uh, do I bear when he or she asks me this question? And I say, yeah, you should see it. Well, maybe it didn't offend my conscience, but I don't know. I have no clue where his conscience is. Maybe I've just done a great disservice to him. What? That's kind of risky, isn't it? I think it's super risky. I, I, I think that you— Would you say, no, I know you. You should not see it. No, I <laughs> no. would not say that. And I probably wouldn't say, oh, wow, it's great. You should see it. I actually have never told anybody else they should watch Breaking Bad. But what it comes down to, Until again, today. is relationship. Is do you, I know that person well enough to know whether I should encourage this or not? For some people, it might be, you, you know, I was, so my temptation is to say, have you had Culver's triple cheeseburger? It is amazing. I love it. There are some people I can't say that to, right? There are people who've been put on, uh, you know, non-meat diets by their doctors for health reasons that it would be cruel to say that to. There'd be people that it would be totally fine to say that to. The question is, do I know them well enough to say that? If I don't know them well enough, I'm not going to give a recommendation. If I'm going to give a recommendation for or against something, I need to know somebody well enough to do it. But again, what we're coming back to is love, right? Is this, does a Culver's burger draw me closer? And I'm not, I'm not being flippant at all. Does it draw me closer to Jesus or does it push me away from him? There have been times when I've had to stop eating certain foods because of those of you who know me, and I might've mentioned this on the podcast before, like I struggle with gluttony. If you saw me, you wouldn't think that because I'm not like this, I'm not an obese guy, but like being controlled by food. There have been times when I've had to say, I'm not going to eat this food. So I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm dead serious when I say, asking a question about food, does it draw me closer to God? Will this person, will it be damaging to them? I have to know all these things, but that only happens if I love somebody well enough to know them and well enough to have to, to make decisions based upon, does this increase my relationship with them or does it hurt my relationship with them and my family and friends? But again, it comes down to not rules, but it comes down to trusting Jesus and having faith and love. Okay. Thanks for listening to this edition of Craving Answers, Craving God. Today's topic for discussion came from one of our thoughtful listeners. You, too, can submit an idea for our podcast. Simply email us at cacg at stjamesglencarbon.org. We're so grateful that you have found our program to be useful. Please recommend us to your friends. For Pastor Aaron Miller and our production manager, Larry O'Leary, I'm Chuck Rather.